everyone. Hi, everyone. It's Anika and Priyasha, your Scent of Success co-hosts, back here again. We're so excited to have you guys back here listening with us. For those of you who are new listeners, we have a podcast. We've had one since March, and we've been taking a break since the beginning of August. But since it's almost our birthday, we wanted to come back with a kind of birthday special episode. Before that, we were posting episodes every week, so go check them out. Exactly. So that being said, this episode is 19 lessons we have learned at 19 years old. And that is not to say that we are perfect at these lessons we will be sharing or that we're some sort of wise individual. It is very much kind of lessons and phrases and advice that we have started to live by, started to adopt, started to embrace. We have realized, but we're also trying to continue to embody them to the best of our ability. So we're so excited that you guys are here. Very excited for this episode. We'll put everything in the description box. We'll try to go through each lesson quite fast because there are 19 of them. So we won't dwell too much on each, but yeah, that being said, we're very excited. So let's get right into it. Yes, and before we do that for our new listeners, I'm Priyasha and the one who was just speaking is Anaga. I know like it's funny to have a podcast where we have the exact same voice, but I'm sure you'll get used to it. Yeah, like I don't know if we have the exact same voice. We look the exact same or very similar, but many people would say that we do sound the same. So if you listen to us enough, I think you guys can tell who's talking. I mean, yeah, when we hear it back, it's easy for us. I mean, that's because it's us. But yeah. Now that we got that out of the way, let's get started. Yes, absolutely. So we're going to be going through 19 things and briefly reflecting on each one. We don't want to drag on each one for too long. The first one is to be grateful for the present moment. So when the pandemic started, especially because I'm going to be reflecting more on the past year with these lessons, just, you know, because a lot has been happening in the past year. When the pandemic first started, it really made my sister and I kind of alter our mindset and really, really focus on gratitude and being in the present moment. So how exactly do you think we did that? Like when the pandemic started and considering that it was like our senior year we were missing out on? Exactly. So I think the pandemic really helped us put everything into perspective. And since it was our senior year, it was a very busy year, we couldn't really do anything except continue to quote unquote grind and try to meet our goals. So it really allowed us to see what matters, dedicate our time to more important things and really structure that around what really matters. It also reminded us of what really matters in the world. I keep saying that, but yes. Yeah, like family and friends and just being in our home but you know like just being in our home like we would have a lot of people tell us like how are you guys coping with no prom no senior trip no graduation and you know we realized very quickly that these are pretty small things in the grander scheme of things like not really i mean graduating high school is a big deal but considering the state of affairs that the world was in it really made no sense for us to be sad in that situation that's kind of just how we looked at it there was no reason for us to be so upset so instead we channeled that energy into achieving our goals which you know was college applications doing well on ib and of course spending time with family friends and taking care of our mental health and physical health we did a lot of that so Would you say like being a present-minded person helped you even pre-pandemic? 
Definitely. Like we have talked about this before, but we are very much present minded thinkers more than future and past. So we don't really have a problem appreciating and truly enjoying the present. But this definitely did put into perspective. So be grateful for the present moment. You'll be more grateful. You will have less regrets and you'll just be able to set yourself up, I think. Absolutely. Do you want to introduce the second one? The second lesson is focusing on quality over quantity in friendships. Now, this one is probably something you guys have heard about a lot. So we'll kind of just give our two cents on it. So what do you think? Yeah, so we used to think that like not having too many friends was, you know, a sign that you're maybe not popular or liked. But I think we've really learned that prioritizing deepening your friendships and connections is so much more important. And we don't mean to preach here, but for ourselves, it's so important for us to develop meaningful relationships and experience different things with the same people so that we can all grow together. Um, You know, as much as we like meeting new people and we are nice to new people and sociable enough in that aspect, we do value the quality and like depth over breadth. So how would you say that this bout it's, would you say it's been hard for you to kind of find this balance between deepening and working on the quality of friendships while also meeting new people, especially let's say when you change schools or when you move to college, like how did you figure out that balance? Definitely like when you're in school or college, depending on the size, there are a lot of people. And if you're new, you want to meet as many people as possible. So initially quantity will kind of be more important. You want to meet as many people, see who you click with and get to know them. So that's okay. But to be more sustainable and for the long term and for your well-being and happiness, you might want to consider focusing more on quality. Um, over the pandemic, it was easier to focus on quality because you were kind of isolated from everybody. You could choose who you want to talk to, when, where. But as the world is going back to normal in different countries or almost normal in many countries, that balance becomes a little harder. So it's definitely up to you. Yeah. And it can also be difficult because a lot of times when you're trying to prioritize quality, you might not get that same energy reciprocated in that sense. Like you may be trying to like really have a meaningful conversation with someone, but that other person, you may see that their attention is wavering or they're looking to see who to talk to next. And I've kind of realized that it's, that's one of my pet peeves, but I am having to learn how to maneuver that, especially kind of like you were saying for a few weeks of college when everyone is trying to meet new people. Um, everybody will be trying to think about the next person to talk to or hang out with. So it has been a difficult balance for us. Like we said in the beginning of this episode, these are lessons we're learning. So we're still in the progress of learning how to strike the perfect balance between quality and quantity. But as a blanket statement, we would would both agree that having a small circle of really close friends who you can turn to for anything and who are loyal and supportive is almost always better than just having way too many friends and social media connections that are quite shallow. Period. And sooner or later, you guys will understand whether it's working for you or not. It's not a one size fits all kind of advice you're giving here. Okay, so now I'll move on to the third lesson, which is the importance of helping others, the importance of mentorship and giving back. So what do we think about this? So even pre-pandemic, my sister and I, through our international school in the Philippines, we began to develop a love for service and community service, whether that be planning English lessons for native Filipino students 
or planning art activities and donation boxes for a foster or orphanage shelter, uh, we really noticed that um, getting out of the city and entering that community make use of like the privilege we're given to give back to others in whatever way or form that we can. But when the pandemic started, all of those things started to become more indirect service, um, specifically helping others in our immediate community. So do you want to elaborate on that? For sure. So during the pandemic, when, as I said, we were all very isolated, my sister and I still wanted a way to give back to others. So we did that in some ways, even by this podcast, you know, we are learning and we are also extending our learning to others. But also in other ways, we got involved in organizations that um, help tutor IB students and under resource schools or help support students in local schools in the Philippines to apply to universities abroad. That was the most of what we did over the summer. And it's like this really powerful way of reaching out to your community. And it helps you feel so fulfilled in the sense that it's not something I do to feel fulfilled or to boost my resume. It's really something that gives me so much happiness. It gives me joy. Once I have experienced something, I love giving back, but also allowing them allowing the people I'm helping to also explore it themselves, of course. It's a great way to also build your sense of empathy, which we value a lot. And we have an episode on it as well. And kind of like I was talking in the last, um, kind of like I was talking about with service, it's tapping into your own privilege. Kind of like my sister was just saying, we were helping IB students who come from under-resourced IB schools, or you are helping Filipino students who don't necessarily have the resources or the financial capabilities to apply abroad. So I think what we're doing there is tapping into our privilege and giving back in any way we can. Of course, we're not experts, but sharing resources, sharing advice we wish we heard. You know, we also have a lot of younger friends who we always tell them things we wish we knew because we know how great it is when we hear advice from older people. So we want to give it to others whenever we can. You know, there's always a time to be a mentee and a time to be a mentor. For sure. And so the main thing about this one is at some point in your life, try to find a way where you can help others. It can just be a family member. It can be others in your community and also approach it in a fair, open-minded manner. Don't be imposing, you know, just be nice and be involved in mentorship. Give back to your community. Absolutely. Number four, it's okay to be a late bloomer. I feel like you and I have so many conversations about this. What does it mean for you? So first I'll talk about what it means to me and then we'll just be a little more general about it. Late bloomer to me is something that I just kind of made up myself from the patterns I've seen in my life. I take time to learn things. I take time to learn a new skill. If I'm trying something for the first time, when it comes to quote unquote life experiences, I also don't rush into that type of stuff. Also, I'm a little bit introverted, not always that confident. So it takes me time to grow sometimes. But I think, you know, it's just about realizing that everybody's on a different path. You know, there's a long story about something dental related that happened to me that gave me 100% evidence, like scientific legitimate evidence that I am in fact a late bloomer, guys. But that's beside the point. That's really funny because she had a baby tooth for longer than was supposed to. But I feel like that's a very like literal sense. It is. It was longer than I was supposed to. And it was a huge ordeal to take it out. Everything, braces, all of that. But this is random, but it's just evidence for me. (laughs) Yeah, for me, I would also say like late bloomer would be like our shyness. So of course, like my parents, our parents are always like, every kid was shy growing up. But you know, for us, A, it lasted longer. B, like it was to the point where like we were shy of our own friends. Like we were shy of opening up to our own friends and their birthdays. 
Yeah, I mean, we have stories our grandma tells us. When we were invited to our friend's birthday, we would stay with our grandma and not want to go hang out with our friends. No, this is not when we were like, you know, babies or toddlers. This was like, you know, when we we're five, six, seven, like, you know, when people are running around freely. And not only that, but like that kind of stuff. But then the teachers in their report cards calling us little turtles who stay in their shells continued like well into middle school. So yeah, I would say that growing out of our shyness was definitely a quote-unquote late bloomer thing for us not that we're like socially extroverted completely now but you know nowadays it's more like you know we pick and choose when to say something sometimes you might be intimidated but it's not necessarily like we're shy and inhibited to speak if that makes sense but how would you uh, how would you describe this uh, late bloomer aspect in like a more general way you know obviously it doesn't apply to any obviously it doesn't apply to everyone, but sometimes you might feel behind on life, whatever that means for you academically, personally, socially, financially. Um, but that's okay. You know, even a small thing, like everybody is learning how to play Frisbee. For example, some people pick it up naturally and you take much longer. All of that is fine. That's just your craft. That's the way you're built, seeking jobs, seeking internships. Everybody's on a different path. Everybody gets to different goals at different times. So that's just what we wanted to get across. Yeah, and in the kind of realm of life that we're in with college or most of our listeners like in high school, it can even be like, oh, how did this person get an internship in their freshman year? I got it in my junior year. I must be so dumb. That's totally fine. There's so many factors that go into play. Like maybe you weren't as ready as them. Everybody has a different temperament in life. And also you need to look at the reciprocating end, like the person who accepted the your friend as the president versus you like what were they looking for at the time maybe your skills just weren't up to par yet but it's so totally like there's no problem with being a late bloomer because more often than not eventually you will end up getting to where you want to be and end up evening out with a lot of people I really agree and obviously it's easier said than done like you might feel behind but that you know you might not think it's okay that you're behind but just know that it's okay because you are not alone and that the phrase you are not alone does not always help everyone, but you should be secure in your own abilities. Maybe you're flourishing or growing in other avenues of your life. And so at least for my sister and I, we have had enough evidence that we are late bloomers and we've kind of like we're a little more chill about it now. We've accepted it that we won't get it on our first try. So the fifth one that we have is to not compare your academic or personal interests and goals in a negative way. So this is kind of like the one we were just talking about. Everyone has their own path in life and what they want to do. We should be celebrating diversity and interests. You know, for my sister and I, our friend group in high school and now in college too, like we all, we kind of have more friends who are doing different things than us. We have friends who are interested in theater or interested in STEM while we're more interested in, let's say, humanities and social sciences. And I think that's something to be celebrated and something to be curious and open-minded about rather than judging someone for pursuing so-called more or less difficult majors or more or less time-consuming majors or more or less, I guess, real majors, you know? So when it gets negative and toxic and coming from a malicious place where you're judging the person, I think that's very toxic. And we've heard one too many of those type of conversations occur in numerous circles. So it can really get toxic, especially if you you think that your area of study is more superior, more important, more relevant. And so if it's becoming really toxic, maybe just don't have academic related conversations with friends who are doing different or similar majors as you. But if you are, approach it in a more compassionate manner, maybe, you know, just be curious, don't 
let your biases or your um you know your yeah don't let your biases get into it and it's not just academics it also has to do with personal interests what does somebody want to do to spend their summer do they want to do an internship versus go on vacation like the sound these are such like random examples but you never know when it'll come up people will judge you for your goals your ambitions your interests Sure. And I think one reason also we put this down is because we've also kind of been victim to like some type of negative, toxic judgments, especially because, you know, I guess in society, especially where we're from, humanities and social science may not always be considered the highest rank. So we have been, you know, sometimes there are people who are expressing constructive criticism, like, you know, be careful choosing this major or this career, it's harder to get jobs. If that's coming from a mentor or a parent, like, okay, there might be some truth to it. But if it's coming from a friend who is just a little bit opinionated, um, considering that their major is more relevant in the world, I think that's not very productive. Exactly. So definitely keep that in mind when it comes to comparing or talking about academic personal interests and goals with others. So the next lesson is take time to regain your energy and make time for yourself. So this is all about prioritizing mental health and self-help. What does it mean to you? This is basically about figuring out what you need to do to get back on track, whether it be socializing with your friends, having a cup of hot chocolate and drinking tea in your room or watching YouTube and Netflix with snacks or reading a book. It's okay to admit when you need to, you know, regain your energy a little bit. It can even be in the form of a nap. Back home, we took many naps. Um, I think uh, sometimes admitting that you need a break can be hard, especially as some of us are starting to readjust back to uh, um, real school. So how would you say, Anaga, that it's been maybe hard for you to admit that you sometimes need a break amidst like college right now? Exactly. So for me, going from 100% virtual and now pretty much fully in person back to the normal dynamics of everyday life can be quite challenging. You know, you forget when you can take time for yourself and especially kind of being more independent now. Every You're always on the go. You always have responsibilities. So it's important to, you know, find the balance between your social life, your academic life and your own life and your own health. And when you are talking about mental health, you know, I mean, obviously it's a very complicated topic, but just small things like finding some time to read a book, calling your family, evening in, watching a movie with your friends. Those are all small things and they seem very obvious, but it's so important, especially when your life is suddenly so busy again. I mean, everyone's life is busy in different times, but especially when it comes to going from pre-pandemic to a quote-unquote post-pandemic world, especially for us, this drastic change in lifestyle, it's been hard to find the balance of what I should do to take a break, how much time do I have to take a break, and all of that. You may also end up feeling like FOMO, like, you know, if I'm taking a break, I might miss out on an event or a, a social hangout or something like that. But always just like trying to find the balance that's really good because we have realized that, you know, if we're really burnt out and tired and not making time for ourselves, all aspects of our life starts to get affected, like academic performance, health, energy levels. So it is super important to take time to regain your energy. Like even for, for us, I feel like the main way we've been doing it is like listening to music. So whatever it is. For sure. Those were all great points. Our seventh lesson is linked to this, and it is the fact that asking for help is not a weakness. It is definitely not a weakness. 
But before we go into this, we just want to say it is totally up to you how you deal with your problems. We're not saying like tell everyone your problems. You know, if it's a problem that you feel like you can deal with yourself, that's totally fine, very mature and responsible of you. But sometimes when you really feel like you need to talk to someone, don't think that it's a weakness. That's kind of like what we're trying to say. And this doesn't have to be a licensed like therapist who you have to pay lots of money for. It can be a school counselor or a free counselor. Uh, we know our college offers free counseling services, free number of sessions. You can talk to a parent um, or a an, an aunt or a relative, someone who's a little bit more level-headed than you at the moment, someone you trust, even a friend maybe. Just don't bottle up your feelings too much and recognize that when you need help and someone to talk to, it's not a weakness and it's not a burden, especially if they're there to help you. Yeah, I mean, that was so, those were very strong statements that we feel really strongly about for sure. And it's not just asking for help when you're in a mental rut. It's also in smaller avenues if you need help for a homework. At least for me, I feel really nervous to ask my teachers questions sometimes because I feel like they'll find me dumb or it's a stupid question or maybe they'll think I wasn't listening or sometimes I don't know how to phrase a question if it's a foreign language, um, French. Yeah, sometimes like you don't know what you don't know, so you don't know what to say. That's like the TOK philosophy. Yes, for sure. And definitely asking for help is not a weakness, whether it be, like you said, counselor, therapist, teacher, advisor, definitely things that my sister and I have approached, especially this last few months. And it's been very beneficial. So definitely explore that if you need. I know a lot of people don't really think about mental health at all, whereas other people think about it all the time. It's like this weird thing. It's so talked about these days. It's not taboo anymore. But in some cases, at least the people I used to be surrounded by, it wasn't really that much of a topic that was talked about. You know, you just study, you go to university, you go about your life. So, you know, your feelings are valid. So keep track of that. Definitely. What you said is very true. I think it's really just between you and I that we decided recently that it's like, I think we should start making use of the kind of free sessions that our university offers to meet with a licensed counselor. And it's really been helping because for those of you who are thinking to try it out, it doesn't even need to be that you have a specific issue. You can just talk to them as like a catch up and to gain some clarity. And more often than not, they're the ones who are trained. So they will be the ones asking you the right questions that kind of let you, you know, let your feelings out and things like that and kind of gain a sense of catharsis almost that's a bit dramatic but like just some type of clarity and just having someone to talk to and yeah I think if it's not discussed very often in your friend group or your family um, members but you realize you struggle with it we really recommend finding some type of avenue to figure out how exactly you can get that help but also like you said asking for help even at like the airport or like a repair shop like sometimes you might get intimidated like they may be getting impatient I sound dumb but no don't let questions pile up ask for help exactly ask for help the first step is also to realize if you're in a bad situation or you're feeling down I think that's like the hardest for a lot of people to do especially people who are so busy like to stay busy have goals and ambitions 24 7 so definitely that is some food for thought for you guys to keep in mind so take it as you will The eighth lesson is to reduce your anxiety or sense of overwhelm about future-related things. So obviously some type of anxiety and overwhelm will always be there, but what we're trying to say here is to try to control it and being more open-minded 
about it. So for example, we were always super overwhelmed about big things like starting the IEB diploma or going into college, but also little things like taking our first long haul flight. We would be drowning in rabbit holes on Google and pestering people with millions of questions. But there's only so much you can learn by just listening to someone. Like you have to experience it kind of in order to realize what works for you and what doesn't. Would you agree? Definitely. Like you guys listen to this podcast right now. You have to really experience and apply some of these on your own, in your own time, maybe even without knowing to truly understand what it means. But don't let your worries about the future impact your present and your performance in the present. I think that's one of the main things that a lot of people do. Worrying about the future is perfectly fine. In fact, I would say it's a good thing and we should do it more often. But if it's impacting your place in society today and in the now, that's when you really have to think about you know, where your focus should be, what you should be prioritizing. Yeah, that's also a really good way of looking at it. And kind of going back to what I was saying also, like sometimes you might realize when you do the thing that you were exaggerating it in your head all along. Like sometimes you might do it and be like, oh, that wasn't that bad. People were telling me it was going to be so bad. I was so worried. So you you really just have to be open-minded and realize that not everyone's description of what they have already done that you're about to do will be completely accurate, especially if they say it in a way which is like, oh my God, it's the worst thing ever. It's the scariest thing ever. But then you do it and you're like, that wasn't bad. So yeah, just be open-minded, I guess. That's what we've kind of learned. Yes. The ninth lesson is enjoy learning for the sake of learning. Now, this one kind of changes a little bit from what we were talking about previous so the previous few lessons. But ever since the pandemic hit and a lot of our education was interrupted, some to much more intense degrees than others. I think we all kind of forgot what it's like to be in a real classroom and really just learn for the sake of learning. And since coming to university, I've really realized how much avenue there is to learn different topics that you never really knew anything about. And so developing like a sense of appreciation for learning is so important. Our dad always tells us to read different articles here and there. And sometimes I'm like, what's the point of reading about a random new species or something? But after you read it quite often, you realize how much more wealth of knowledge you have in your head. And it's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. And the, yeah, our dad is always coming up with weird things to learn about. And I think it's pretty cute. But unfortunately, I guess grades and results are super important in our society. But we've learned to like really try to balance it with a genuine appreciation and reflection for learning. So in IB especially, which was the board we did, equivalent to AP, for example, for some of you who did that, we only really enjoyed the IB diploma program because we liked the classes that we took. And if we didn't like the classes that we took, you know, like in high school and early college years, especially in the US, you will have to take some gen general education requirements. If you don't necessarily like them or are passionate about it, still try to be like open-minded. Let's say for me, I don't really like science that much, but I fully, understand the importance of knowing how you know agricultural systems work or how the human body works if i'm having to take a class on that sure it'll be hard sure sure i'll struggle more sure it'll come less naturally for me but they're all they're so important still so i'm really trying to manifest that and use that kind of mentality when i'm approaching all my subjects in college yeah, I mean, I think high school and college and even people's jobs in general can sometimes be so demanding that you become almost mechanical, you go through the motions, focus on results-based approaches that you forget to really learn 
and appreciate the process. It sounds very cheesy, but if you do that, I'm pretty sure like you'll see more successes. I mean, it doesn't always work like that, but it will help you, I think. I mean, it should. So yeah, that's all about enjoying learning for the sake of learning. So yes, those were nine lessons. And I think we're going to cut the episode here. Tune in next time for our remaining 10 lessons. We just didn't want this um, episode to get too long. But we hope you guys took something away from those first nine lessons. So yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode and our comeback episode. Yes. And thank you so much for listening. Take care, guys. Have a great day. And we'll see you in part two.